Well, hello, and thank you for joining us again on our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Girls is the coffee, and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And this week, we're going to be discussing episode 14 of season four, The Incredible Sinking Lorelai's. But first, but first, we wanted to discuss a little bit uh, some of the responses we received to an Instagram story we did yesterday about the fandom's opinions on Mr. Jason Styles. Yeah, so yesterday I posted a screenshot of um, a quiz from another Gilmore Girls account that yes. was playing Max against Jason, and the results were 94% Max, 6% Jason, and I was outraged. <laughs> Blasphemy. Blasphemy. So as a joke... Also, as a serious, as a joke, though, <laughs> I was like, 94% of you are fucked. And then I posted a story um, where I said, tell us why you hate Jason and I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> some of you got very salty. Yeah, we got some very passionate responses, as we tend to. Yeah. And like, honestly, it's all in good fun. Um some of them were hilarious. Some of them were ridiculous, if you were being serious. Some of them were plain rude. <laughs> and some of them were kind of valid, and we can give them to you. Yeah. There are some in particular that we took issue with, and I think Jeffrey wants to lead this discussion about um, the way we perceive mental health. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jeffrey, do you want to do you want to talk about the response that got your blood boiling a little bit? <laughs> I was actually perfectly calm when I, when I answered that question. It was just like, I don't know. It was annoying to me that, that that someone would dislike a character because he's too OCD. Would uh, that's just kind of in, insulting to me. Um, yeah. But in terms of like answers we got, most of them were just like surface level. Like I don't know, he's just annoying. Which okay, yeah, that's that's your like, <laughs> Yeah, we got a couple of like he's too short. <laughs> there was one that said that. I'm like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> and then I loved I your response of putting. The, the giant picture of Richard from A Year in the Life, and you said, if you're not this big, I don't want you. Well, that, because that's a fucking, you're going to get a ridiculous response if you give me that as your reason for not liking a character. He's too short. Okay. Um, so there was actually very little people who agreed, but there was some who said, I love Jason. Finally, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in the minority. Thank God you agree. So yeah. I made I made sure to share all of those to make sure that people know that, hey, Jason fans exist. Yeah, um, I think the most common one we got was um, he sues Richard. And I don't even want to touch on that one until we actually get to the episode where that happens. Mm-hmm. But suffice it to say, um, I answered that one. And I think that's a stupid fucking response. Because uh, yeah. Richard clearly in the wrong and that's all I'll say until we get to that episode yeah and it's, I don't and I think it's again you're entitled to your opinion but at the end of the day it's weird to me that you would blindly assume that you, you have to support Richard because I don't know I mean like Lorelai does jumping ahead Lorelai does have to side with her family in that case but I don't know it's just weird to me because it's so clear that Jason had a right to to fight back, you know, like what what did you expect him to do? Just okay, cool. You you tap me in the back. See ya. Like yeah, exactly. So, but we'll get there when we get there. 
Um, I, I, there was another response too of somebody who said he didn't, um, he didn't really pay attention to Rory. And my whole thing is like, Rory's grown. She's in college. Yeah, like she's like, not yeah. eleven. <laughs> yeah, they, and they also don't really have that many scenes together. And when they do, he's perfectly fine with her. Like they interact fine and they get along. And by the way, neither Christopher doesn't really care about Rory either, but some of you want him. Yes. Whoop, there it is. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there were a bunch of responses that, some more valid than others, let's be honest. Yeah. I stand by what I said. I think that Jason and Lorelai's relationship is the healthiest one she's ever had on the show. That includes Luke, by the way. Um, I mean, it includes Luke to a certain extent. But uh, I and I and and to the people telling me, why don't you like Max? It's not that I didn't like Max. I just thought he was boring and he had no personality. After Charlie Swan, he was the most boring. True. We, we even forget about Charlie Swan because. My God, it's so funny. I was like, Charlie fucking Swan was in this goddamn show. And I keep forgetting. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I, don't, I it was I'd love to get more of a sense of why people like Max over Jason. Like, okay, Jason's, they think Jason's arrogant. Uh, I don't know. He, there's one, there was one response that said, let me find it. Um, he's too perfect, which is boring for the series. Hi. Like, okay. I thought, I found Max was much more boring than Jason. I thought, yeah, seriously. I thought Jason had way more um, charisma than Max did. And just, like, Lorelai and Jason's relationship had so much more depth. Like, I found, like, we, we discussed this at length when we did when we discussed seasons one and two, but it's just, like, Lorelai and Max was, like, I don't know, really it childish. So surface, <laughs> yeah, it was so surface level. They had nothing in common. Um, you know, he only asked her to marry him after Luke came over and he felt threatened. Like, it was just so... Ugh, no. Yeah, it was very... It was very wb i have to say <laughs> yeah, to be honest it was very uh seventh heaven yeah um did that I, also wear on the wb yes it did all in the family yes it was like <laughs> flagship programming exactly. um there was a one res- another response i liked um from one of our devoted followers i believe her name is katie she says uh, I liked him mostly. He was n- he was funny, but he was never going to live in Stars Hollow. I got the sense he wouldn't be there for Lorelai emotionally. And then she gave the example of he couldn't attend Grant's funeral. Like, I can kind of see what she's getting at there and that, um, like, the relationship might have taken a backseat to his work. Like, he was always, he had, a, he had just a, a demanding career. Nothing against men with demanding careers in this case. Let's not, you know, jump the gun. But... I don't know. I can see. I can. That's an opinion I can kind of give you. Like that's valid. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't think so. I understand her completely, Katie. Right? Yes. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe emotionally they weren't there yet. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of communication and him being really honest with her and vulnerable with her, he was the person that was the most honest with her. Like he didn't jump to conclusions ever. He didn't, like, jump down her throat or get mad at her if he disagreed with her. Like, I'm thinking back to the the scene where they had together where she was mad because she found out that he took somebody else to a charity event. Mm-hmm. 
And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? You said you didn't want to come with me and I had to bring somebody. And like, he never got mad at her. He just explained things to her calmly, reasoned with her, you know, was the best communicator, I think, out of all of them. Yeah. And I think that that showed a willingness, I guess, to be more open. Listen, we'll never know if he was going to be willing to live in Stars Hollow. I doubt it, like the like Katie said. But, you know, they do get pretty serious at a certain point, which, again, we're jumping the gun. But <laughs> uh, it's hard to have these discussions without moving forward. <laughs> yeah, like, it's. I think it's telling that the fandom hates Jason so much because as we've discussed already in previous episodes, he was the best communicator. He wasn't like a mature adult and had a mature and offered a mature adult relationship. So I feel like maybe I'm, I can't say for certain or at all, like the age demographic of the people who responded to our Instagram story. So like, I don't know if it's younger people who don't really can't really relate to an adult relationship or whatever it is, but I don't know, maybe people just prefer Lorelai when she's being all, neurotic and zany with Luke and other people like yeah I do have to say though this is the relationship that I find is the least um juvenile yes exactly I, I feel like, maybe, feel like maybe, yeah I feel like maybe people like maybe younger viewers or viewers who grew up watching it and continue to rewatch as adults like they kind of ha- like Lorelai's more juvenile relationships resonate more maybe yeah. I don't know. I think, um, listen, for a drama on the WB, of course you don't want a relationship that's perfect. Uh, you want the drama. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and listen, we got a lot of people, too, saying that um, he wasn't Luke and he was the guy right before Luke, so we obviously didn't want him. That's fine. You can hate him because, like, he made things more difficult with Luke. But, mm-hmm. like, this, these answers of, like, he was too neat the fuck is that yeah i do want to unpack that as we said as you said in the beginning you wanted to give me the floor on that one yeah because i also have thoughts but you responded it you responded to it a little bit more vehemently um on the story so i just i kind of wanted to give you the floor and then i will also chime in but uh yeah go ahead (laughs) yeah i don't like there was more than a few people there's only one person who mentioned OCD but there was more than a few people who said I don't know he was just too neat and annoying and arrogant and whatever and okay I'll give you arrogant he does give off an arrogant vibe I don't think he was around long enough to really delve into his arrogance um but in terms of being neat it's really 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 telling to me that I'm again gonna generalize here but I'm guessing most of the people who are responding to our story are straight white women and it's really telling to me that uh, that's that kind of age group demographic is turned off by men who are overly neat and to me I think that signals that a neat like a, a straight man who is who is overly particular and overly neat and tidy is what as can be in controlling I yeah. think there's a lot of cultural depictions of like men who are like straight men who you know marry marry a woman and they're shown to have really specific anal retentive personality traits like i'm thinking of in particular have you ever seen uh sleeping with the enemy with julia roberts yeah i'm thinking of that where like he like her husband was a complete psycho who would you know knock her to the floor if one can was not facing the right way like i think I'm thinking like pop culture has allowed a, a certain demographic of women to like straight women to visual like to associate 
neatness and tidiness in men with being controlling and overly obsessive, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. So, like, I'm thinking that's where that where that's coming from, which, okay, that's not really mine to say. That's not my experience. I, Because, you know, the reasons that gay men are overly neat and tidy are a bit different sometimes from that of straight men. So I can't really comment about that in particular. But I do have to bring up the person who wrote back that he's smug, arrogant, rude, obnoxious, and his OCD was a killer. Um, okay, lots, lots, lots to say there. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, like I said before, with associating uh, straight men as, as straight men who are neat and tidy with being controlling. It's similar. It's in a similar way you associate OCD as a turnoff because why like that's interesting to me what do you think yeah also this this idea of using OCD like you said in the post when you responded this idea of using OCD like so flippantly Mm -hmm. like a lot of people it's one of those terms like depressed or OCD um that people use to describe something that they view negatively yeah and I like to I like to think maybe with like uh, the younger current generation who are working harder Gen Z shall we say are working harder at dismantling language like that on social media because you know language matters um but I think it's I think uh someone who would still use OCD as an adjective and as a negative character trait like not even as not like not using OCD as a mental illness label or anything like using OCD as an like a, a as an as a negative attribute like as a as an adjective you know like it's, you're not using yeah. it in the sense of I suffer from OCD which is obsessive compulsive disorder you're using it in the sense of oh he's so OCD like that's not you know I feel like anybody who would still use that term or that use use OCD in that way is not really up to date on the on the efforts to dismantle the mental health stigma. Yeah, um you know, OCD is an actual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And just like when people say like, "Oh, I'm so OCD" because they want things like organized and shit. Like, no, you're fucking not. Yeah, and honestly, if if like I've known people my whole life who have said that even when I was younger, like just cuz they like, "Oh, their magnets organize a certain way." Like that's you know it's hard it's a, it's an iffy it's an iffy area because it's hard to know when you're younger like is this OCD or is this just a quirk like it's hard to I think it's hard to tell and you have to learn as you grow but um like if you if if you find yourself saying things like oh I'm so OCD in a social setting because like you feel like people are judging you for how you organize your table or something or your magnets like no what is this magnet thing Edna <laughs> Like you need to check. I'm sorry. You need to you need to like check yourself on that. Like you need to kind of just take a step back and ask yourself like why do you feel compelled to use OCD in that way in a social manner? I I kind of bring it back to like when remember that PSA with Hillary Duff of where people were using gay as an insult. Oh yeah. <laughs> like gay to mean lame. Yeah. You know like there are certain words that I think people have taken liberties with. Mm-hmm. Um, and use them, not bad people, you're not bad people. It's just like, maybe take a step back, like you said, and evaluate why you're using this term. 
Yeah. Um, you know, there are actual people that suffer from OCD and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, it kind of brings me back to some of the responses that we got about his quirks. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of responses about how they don't like, um, again, how he's so neat, like his apartment is so organized, how he's so neat, how he like trained his dog. And then you said justice for Cyrus. The dog I'll <laughs> give you. The dog, that dog was not normal. I'll give you the dog. <laughs> and yeah, you said we'll give you the dog and I completely agree. But just the, the way he trained his dog kind of fell into that category too. Mm-hmm. Like he's training him to be very rigid, you know? Yeah. Um, like the thing with the bed he has weird quirks and i'm like guys the whole point of the show is that there's fucking quirks yeah you know what i mean you think lorelei doesn't have fucking quirks it's true like she gets a dog in in season six that can't walk down the stairs if you don't lay a jacket down oh my god like like, didn't even think of that like mm, that lorelei's dog was three thousand times worse than jason yeah obviously um and, you know, like, the whole thing of, like, he can't sleep next to somebody. Mm-hmm. I know, like, when, when we discussed that and when, when we saw the, the guest bedroom from a magazine, we were like, oh. But, uh, <laughs> and I think that, that also tied into what Katie was saying of, like, he's not going to be emotionally there for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a problem with everyone saying, like, his quirks really bother me. I'm like, everyone in this fucking show has quirks. And you've stuck around this long. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Like I think it I honestly, now that we've now that we've discussed it a bit, I honestly think it has has more to do with the fact that Luke and Lorelai get together at the, at the end of season four. And so 100%. and you know, so in the the devoted fans' eyes, it's like Jason it was just in the way. Like move out of the way so like what is it, Java Junkie can get together? <laughs> Java Junkie, yeah, can get together. Seriously. Um and listen, if that's if that's why you don't like him, I'll respect you way more if you say that than, like, you don't like his mustache. Like, yeah, I think people are reaching a little bit. Like, his suit, his mustache. Like, okay, get off it. <laughs> he doesn't look good in suits. Neither does half the population that wears suits, but we still gotta wear them, fuck. <laughs> Anyways, it was just... Um, and then we got people that were very salty with me. They're like, how about you explain why you do like him, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. I'm like, take it down a notch. It's all in good fun. Like, we're talking about a fictional character here. Like, it's not that deep. You should know also never to take me seriously. Everybody relax. Yeah, it's 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 funny, because you can tell by the responses just who, like, how, like who's followed us longer and who maybe hasn't. You know, like, yeah. it's it's just interesting. It's fun. That's why I like, that's why I kind of hijacked your question on the story and was like, I'm going to share these because I'm, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by what people were saying. I know. It was very intriguing. Um, I didn't expect to get that many responses, too. We got a lot. Yes. I actually stopped reading them after a certain point. So I'm like, okay, you guys are just taking this a little too seriously. My sister-in-law just did it to piss me off. She was like, I don't like his vibe. I'm like, fuck. I know. I was going to say that. She wrote his vibe. I know. She knows it would drive me nuts. That's why. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to do this on purpose. His vibe. Thanks. (laughs) to speak to her about that actually anyways whatever it's fine um yeah so now that we got that out of the way shall we discuss the episode yes um i just before we do that i just wanted to mention one last thing um i actually wasn't in case there was any question of it i actually wasn't as triggered as i might have seen seemed with that was just me being a dick yeah with the um 
with the OCD remark. I do, however, I do personally, however, suffer from both OCD and anxiety. So, um, and I've spent, you know, the better part um, of my life coming to terms with it. Uh, the last few years mostly have been like, is this real or am I just making it up? So that's why I just feel the need to call it out when I see it because um, using OCD as an adjective and a negative character trait is not it. So don't do that. Yeah, and like you said, um, language matters. Yeah. Um, I've actually been writing a paper about this. <laughs> um, that's why I'm like, yes, language matters, because I've been writing a paper about how um, the language you use um, in patient materials, anyways, whatever, in my in my line of work, um, can really serve to alienate certain people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, us, it's all in good fun if you, like... Well, good fun, whatever. You know, you use the word OCD, whatever, with us, and we're like, hey, maybe not the right thing to do, but it can actually be kind of damaging depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, so just be aware of language in general when you're using any type of language and when you're speaking to any person. Um, it's just good to be aware of what's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> yes, and it's, uh, again, if you, it's, there's no judgment from, at least from us, I can't speak for other people, but there's no judgment from us, like, if you need to take a take a step back and check yourself for making those comments, like it's just a, just like a little healthy way of saying like maybe you need to reevaluate the way you perceive certain things. I'm here to educate the masses. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, like we said, no hard feelings. But yeah, it's just because we do have a platform. Sometimes we do like to point it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not mad. Don't worry. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to this episode. Yes. The Incredible Sinking Lorelai's. Do you um, think do you think they referenced this Incredible Sinking Lorelai's in the title because all three Lorelai's are in this episode? Um yeah, I also think it's because all three of them kind of have a breakdown. <laughs> Interesting. And um one of them I really loved seeing. Mhm. The other two were a little harder to watch. One of them in particular I was very upset about, but we'll get to that. Okay, so um, I've personally always loved the answering machine communication in this episode. Yeah. Um, and I think I said once in the past, the, one of the reasons I love season four so much is because Rory being away at Yale kind of provided uh, new avenues to explore how uh, Rory and Lorelai communicate. And I yeah. think in this case, it's like, it was just like really, I think the writing was really on point once again in portraying how, you know, sometimes you keep just keep missing each other when you live apart, you know? So. Uh, um, I do have to say it's, yeah, like you, I, I, I like this peek into um, their, their lives that seems a little bit more normal than them just like constantly hanging out, even though she's in college, like these past couple of weeks. She's always coming back home and hanging out with her mother and being around town and like being in college, a freshman in college, even though you're just 60 miles away, um, you know, it's inevitable that you're going to miss your mommy, number one, or miss your daughter. Um, And then also in the more literal sense, keep missing their phone calls, right? Um, The world doesn't work out like that sometimes where you're just constantly together. Yes. Yes, I agree. It's <laughs> like, is she, is she, is she, is, is there another thought going on into that sentence? Just long oh my God, I thought you died. <laughs> long pause. Um, I was going to say that 
I think I've said before, like the very first time that I watched Gilmore Girls um, all the way through, I found like the first three seasons was kind of like watching a big inside joke that I wasn't yet in on. And then when I got to season four, like it just felt a bit more realistic to, I guess, to my own personal experience, but also just like more realistic in terms of family units. Like, I don't know. I think it was, I think seasons one to three when Rory like lived in Stars Hollow, even when she was at Chilton, but lived in Stars Hollow, she like, I don't know. It seemed there was like a lot of little things as we've discussed before that didn't really make realistic sense. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit more ideal. Yeah. Like, ideal world, small town living, mother and daughter love each other, tra-la-la. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even when they did have their own lives, they were very much joined at the hip. Yeah. And now um, I agree with you with the writing. It's like, yeah, they're still communicating just in a different way. Hmm. Um, so like their their voicemails are really hilarious and them keep like always constantly missing each other's phone calls was really funny um but also like started to get annoying at the end because you're like I've been there um mm-hmm. also I don't know if you know this have I ever told you this when I first moved out and I lived in New Brunswick um and I lived in a very small town and my mom was very worried about me all the time she would call me she would FaceTime me every night um, and if God forbid I didn't answer because either I didn't hear it or I was in the shower or like under the fan cooking, she would panic, like <laughs> panic, text me. Are you okay? Call me. Like, Jesus Christ, can I breathe? <laughs> like now she's a little bit better because it's the second time around. But I remember being that way of like, I can never just miss a phone call from my mother. <laughs> It had to be like, oh, my God, are you bleeding on the side of the road? Did you get hit by a moose? Hit <laughs> um, by a moose. Yeah, well, there were a lot of moose in uh, New Brunswick. But, um, yeah, so I was like, while I was watching this, oh, my God, I wish I could just leave a voicemail and not think about it. I know. <laughs> Whereas now, like, I, I took a nap yesterday and my mom called me. She's like, where were you? It's like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me that uh, she FaceTimed you every night when you lived in New Brunswick, but I didn't know it was like life or death if you didn't answer. Um, when I first moved, yeah, she was a little bit more worried about me. Um, you know, I lived in a very small town. It was my first time alone, you know. Uh, so she was just, I don't know. It was My brother was still living at home, even though he was older than me. So it was just the first time a child had moved away, right? So she was a little bit more worried. And then one day I kind of sat her down and explained to her, I'm like, yo, just because I don't answer the phone, it could just mean that I'm away (laughs) or like grocery shopping or driving or, you know, like whatever it is, you know. And like realistically, she knew that, obviously. I think she was just a little bit of a worry wart. And now I don't know if it's because I'm older or if it's because um, she perceives Toronto as a bigger city. So like I'm out doing stuff. Uh, but now it's like if she misses me she'll be like hey you didn't answer just wanted to see if you're okay like bye like it's not like frantic as it was <laughs> in New Brunswick you know but um a mommy's love what can you say yes exactly um yeah but I do find it funny in this episode that they keep missing each other pieces of information that they should both have keep uh flying in the wind shall we say Mm-hmm. Like when Lane is supposedly supposed to start living with Lorelai. <sighs> yeah. like, Do I know that? Am I supposed to know that? Yes, Lorelai. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the first scene of this um 
episode where they're we're meeting the horses. Mm-hmm. So Desdemona and Cletus. Yes. For a second there, I thought Suki had had two more kids and named them something stupid. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I was like, that sounds like something Suki would fucking say. Mm-hmm. I'm here, Desdemona. I was like, God damn it, Suki. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> all I can think of when she says Desdemona is Othello. I'm like, that's not... Yeah, that's not what you want to be reminded of. No. <laughs> Ugh, Othello. Have you seen the adaptation, the, like, modern adaptation of that? No, yeah. I haven't. I had to read Othello in CJEP. Or college, yeah. as other people call it. Because everyone's like, what's CJEP? No, <laughs> I'm going to keep calling it CJEP. Yeah. I had to read it. It was, like, required reading. Yeah. One of my required core classes in my last, one of my last semesters. And I just, I didn't enjoy it. I don't, maybe it was because I, I didn't like the teacher, but I don't know. Yeah, it I was... had a similar experience in CJIP where <laughs> I had to take a Shakespeare class because it was the only thing left that fit in my schedule. Uh, again, my last semester, fucking hated it, always hated Shakespeare. And what it is is that we read five different plays and watched modern adaptations of them. Oh boy. And I had to give a presentation on one of the soliloquies, whatever. Didn't fucking care at that point. Um, <laughs> but I remember watching the modern adaptation of Othello called O with Julia Stiles. Oh, and being, yeah, I forgot all about that one. Yeah, and being thoroughly disturbed. Because <laughs> there's something, like, about watching it through a modern lens of, like, with, like, 90s kids, whatever. I think it came out in the early, early 2000s. And I was just like, this is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. And you know what? Sometimes I do still think about it. And I'm like, that was fucking disturbing. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. So um, my advice to you, don't watch it. But also watch it to be as disturbed as I am. <laughs> it's funny we're talking about Shakespeare classes because I am currently taking a summer university class that's about Shakespeare. Shakespeare on film. So it's about like different. That's uh, so, like, different Shakespeare stage and film adaptations. And um, once again, it was, like, the only thing that fit in my schedule. And, need, and I needed one English class to, like, satisfy this one part left of my degree. So I'm like, all right, let's just get it over with. It's online. I'm not leaving the comfort of my couch for this or putting that much effort into it. So um, it wasn't, it wasn't I, it's not even that I don't like Shakespeare. It's that. I oh, think that's what it is for me. <laughs> I don't like it or him or his work. It's just it's like throughout high school, CJEP and now university, not so much in university, but throughout many years of schooling, I think Shakespeare has just been done to death. And I'm just like, what else is there to say about this? I'm just over it, you know? Yeah, honestly, it's really annoying. Like his plays have been around for what, 400 plus years? Yeah. Why do we have to keep studying them? <laughs> We're not going to discover something new. I mean, um, I'm going to be sending you my final assignment for this class later that I wrote yesterday, which um, (laughs) it was a very free form uh, assignment. It was like one of three options that I chose, which was to pitch your own version for a modern Shakespeare adaptation. So what did I write? I wrote an outline for a Macbeth adaptation that takes place in 21st century Los Angeles called Angry White Female. Which sounds <laughs> amazing, just FYI. So if it ever gets made into a, you know, Hollywood blockbuster, you'll know, you'll know me. You can say you, you can say you knew me when. 
Exactly. <laughs> but thought I just I'm like there's really nothing. I remember my 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 professor in Egypt had gotten his masters um on like he wrote his masters thesis on one soliloquy in I think it was Titus Andromedon. Oh boy. Like one soliloquy, he wrote a fucking 70-page thesis on it. I was like, are you fucking for real? Get out of here. I lost so much respect for you. Yeah, that's a bit excessive. Like, that that requires a lot of dedication. Yeah, like, fuck off. Do something else with your time. Anyways. I, I do have to point out, before we, before we return to uh, Gilmore Girls from Shakespeare, yeah. um, it's actually uh, Titus Androdicus. You're referring to Titus Androdicus. Oh, referring to Kimmy from, Schmidt, yeah. From <laughs> Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I also wrote a paper on that. I should know that. Fuck me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Titus Androdicus. Yes. Excuse me. My bad. But honestly, nobody gives a fuck. That's a terrible play. No, and Titus Andromedon is much more much more iconic. One hundred percent. And by the way, that play mm-hmm. also very traumatizing. <laughs> I've never studied or read that one. So okay. So let me save you a lot of time and effort. There's people dying. We're killing people and then eating them. Oh, okay. That's good. All right. And we don't know. And one of the ladies doesn't know that she's eating her son. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. We'll shit my way through that class, let me tell you that. But anyways. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, let's talk about Dean in this episode. Oh, why? Well, why? in it. It's like Beetlejuice. You say his name too many times and he comes back. I know. Honestly, just when you think you're okay, he's like, boom! <laughs> and you're like, why, Amy? God damn it. We are going so well without him. Also, I really want to know, because I forgot that Dean was in this episode. So then when he popped up on the screen, number one, very upset. Number two, I was like, where was Dean last week when Jess was there? Well, yeah, it's true. Good good point. I'm glad he wasn't, because it was more Jess needed his moment. No, absolutely. But I just it got me thinking. I'm like, ooh, you missed him? You couldn't have You couldn't have missed him, because everyone in the town was talking about how much they hated him. Yeah, yeah, we do we do get a Jess and Dean reunion moment later on in the season. Oh bullshit. Okay. Um so Dean calls Rory to tell her that he's gonna be working at the Dragonfly on the construction crew. Mm-hmm. And to make sure it's okay, um, because things are kind of awkward because what a, what a whiny little bitch. Just have, yeah. to just have to say that first and foremost. <laughs> but things are kinda awkward because you guys never showed up at my wedding. Which Dean, that's not awkward. It would have been more awkward if they did show up at your wedding. But let's Are you go. five years old? Like, I'm not sure. You didn't. You guys didn't come. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no chill. I have no chill with this man. Seriously. Today you're you're on it. You know, and you should know, because last summer, the last time that I rewatched Gilmore Girls was last summer, and I told you, when we get to season four, I'm going to have a lot of thoughts about season four Dean, like late, like late season four Dean, because he's the most manipulative and gross so at this point in the season um we're more than halfway done the season mm-hmm. uh, we have i think seven episodes left in the season uh, I think seven or i think it's nine isn't there 22 yeah so this is 14 yes so 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 eight sorry right. okay i can't do math either no it's fine we both suck and i'm counting on the podcast 
<laughs> um, thrilling. But anyways, so at this point, we're halfway through the season, and we saw Dean at the beginning. We kind of forgot about him. And from this moment on, we're kind of going to be seeing a little bit more of him. Yeah. And I can't tell you how much I fucking hate that. I know. And it's just... Like, it ruins some of season four for me. Definitely. And also, if any of uh, you listeners are rewatching along with us as we analyze and discuss, I want you to please, like, just open your eyes and ears to things that Dean says and does. And I think I actually was less, like, I'm going to say I was less aware of how manipulative Dean used to be in seasons one and two. And like, Elena would always be like, yeah, but he did this. And I'm like, yeah, but he's cute. It's fine. Whatever. It's puppy love. Whereas Mm -hmm. now I'm like, I see what you mean because I think in, in seasons one and two, I'm like, I don't, it's not as deep for me because it's just like teen drama love triangle. Whereas now I'm like, you people are adults, like figure out your shit. Yeah. I think there are certain things that Dean does in season four that are big red flags. And then you start thinking about, um, the earlier seasons, and you're like, mm, those were the beginnings. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why most people, it takes most people until about seasons four or five to truly, like, decide, like, okay, Dean's the worst, we don't like him. Yeah. Um, but for just for this episode, he calls Rory. Rory's like, yeah, it's fine. How are you doing? Are you still going to school? He's like, yeah, we're going to school part-time. I finally got a cell phone. I have a five-year plan. And I'm like, Dean, you know that scene in Friends where Phoebe's like, I don't even have a plot. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the mind. Dean, you don't have a fucking plan. Shut up. <laughs> you, yeah, know I th- you know what I think of whenever someone says a five-year plan, a ten-year plan, like whatever bullshit is that? Have you ever seen funny, – funny I'm saying this because a few weeks ago we were talking about how much we dislike his movies. But have you ever seen the Adam Sandler movie Big Daddy? Yes. I'm thinking of uh, my dad and my cousins loved that movie when I was younger, and we watched it like we watched it like three thousand times over. I can recite it backwards and forwards. It probably doesn't hold up as well if I rewatch it now. It's been a very long time since I've seen it, but anytime someone says like, "Oh, five-year plan, ten-year plan," I think of that scene where uh, Adam Sandler's character brings his, you know, newfound child, a new newfound adopted child, yeah. to his to his girlfriend's. Uh, apartments to like shit to like show like hey I got a kid look I'm grown up now like you can take me seriously and he finds her there with this like really older guy and it's she's now left him for this old guy and he's like oh I think his name's Sid like oh it's it's fine though because Sid has a five-year plan and Adam Sandler says what don't die (laughs) I don't know so anytime someone says five-year plan all I think is what don't die (laughs) Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, you realize the five-year plan went to shit because now he's a cook at Hooters. Yeah, and she works at Hooters with him. Like, cool. <laughs> cool. Good job, Sid. You accomplished the five-year plan. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, I call bullshit on Dean's five-year plan. Let's be honest. Um, okay, so Tom has... Tom, the contractor, has a little talk with the girls. Um, he has a very awkward money talk with them. Mm-hmm. And all I kept thinking throughout this whole whole scene is, Suki, you're such a fucking drama queen. Okay. We're going all in on this because I have a lot to say about Suki. Here. Yeah, we're going all in. First, this is this. So first, this. Oh, I kept saying this. First, <laughs> this scene where Suki's like, oh, my God, we're not paying him. I can't breathe. And you're like, shut the fuck up. 
Right. You it's a business. You can't like have a fucking panic attack every time there's a problem. Yeah. Suki, like for me, it's just Suki is not meant to be a boss. She's no. not to be a boss, a manager, anything in a position of power. That's not for Suki. Suki, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. There's some people that are just not meant to be managers or like in high up positions and making decisions. Mm-hmm. And they're best suited, like their personalities are better suited to be employees that follow instructions or just do their own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's way more clear to me in this episode, but really in this scene, we're going to get to the scene after where she completely drops the ball. But this scene where like Tom's like, you know, there's just like, I have to pay them. And Lorelai's like, yeah, I'm I'm going to the bank. She's like, I can't breathe. (laughs) Fuck up. I'm giving birth to another Colgate. Oh my god, it's true though. Like I was thinking that, and it's just weird. When it's, it's weird when you when you take that panic attack in the context of her of what she says later. Or, or do we want to go scene by scene? Do we want to talk about her? No, we can talk about her because I also want to say like even when she's very excited about the pipes. Yeah. You know, like Lorelai's on the phone and she's like, "You gotta see these pipes," and Lorelai's like, "I'm on the fucking phone." Yeah, like are you like <laughs> I feel. Like she's- She's just acting like a six-year-old, and it's not... It's like, Suki, they're fucking pipes. It's metal. And it's, and it's not cute when you're trying to, like, launch a business, and Lorelai's trying to be, like, a mature, responsible adult, and she's like, oh, no, I'm going to panic. Oh, look, pipes. Eee, like, fuck. Well, yeah, and then, oh, I don't know. For me, it's just... Some people might find it endearing, and we've had this conversation before when we've talked about Suki. Suki is meant to be... We're not meant to take Suki seriously. She's very much a secondary character that's there for fluff and for funnies. This is not funny to me. No, I think, like, in when when I think of Suki's entire character arc, this stands out to me all the time. Yeah. Because um, it's 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 just it's again. I think I feel like I've said this three thousand times this week. It's very telling how she acts when things aren't fluffy and fun. It's like when things need to be serious, she drops the ball. Like that yeah. to me is, uh, you know, very telling. What's a synonym for very telling? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. You're the English major. <laughs> um, I'm just a let burn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just thought the whole thing was just ridiculous. Like even when they're talking about what their options are for money and Lorelai's like, maybe Jackson can help. Or, or um, when, when Suki's like, are we completely broke? Like, shouldn't you know that you're, you're, you're 50% owner of this business. Shouldn't you also be a little bit more involved in the finances? Yeah, and I think it's I think that has less to do with Lorelai not cluing her in and more with Suki not wanting to be clued in. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I think it's well, I think it's both. I think Lorelai knows Suki, so she's like Suki's no no help with this, right? But yeah. at the same time, Lorelai, you see her in that scene where she's like, I needed you for one fucking thing today, and you completely not even drop the ball. It's like you fucked up so hard. <laughs> Yeah, and I do want to say, like, I do sympathize to a certain extent of she had a, like, she has a, uh, an infant, and like, a newborn, pretty much. Um, it's, you know, that's, it can be rough. Like, there is sympathy, a little bit of sympathy there, just in terms of sometimes things don't go as planned when you have a child that small and young. Yeah, but that's not but, even the part that I'm upset about. No, but the thing is, like, 
there would have been more sympathy if she'd been like, oh, crap, oh, I'm sorry, like, just, okay, like, if she'd been trying to hold it together, she didn't even try, like, she's just like, oh, Tom could have done that. No. But that's the thing, that's what I'm more upset about, the fact that she was like, okay, I'm sorry, that's a good start, but Lorelai keeps getting agitated because you're like, oh, well, why did it go back to Canada? Like, you're not even a little bit invested in this. No. You know what I mean? You're the one that wanted to approve the sink, so we said that you were going to be there to approve the fucking sink. And then you weren't, and you're like, oh, no, okay, well, maybe we'll just get it back. Like, she has no idea how things work. No. You know? She's just like, okay, well, we'll have them reship it. That costs money. And I think to a, I think to a certain extent she doesn't care, because she's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I have a baby. I didn't know I was going to be pregnant when we, when we started this. Like, I'm sorry. The fact that she said that, sing, like, signals to me that her priority is not is no, is no longer the business. Her priority is her child, and I get that. Like, you're... Your priorities definitely shift when you have children. I can't speak from experience, but I do know that. Like, I'm not completely ignorant. But, like, you can't just say, like, oh, well, what else do I do? I have a baby. It's like, okay, you have a baby. We get it. Like, things can change Like things can change at the drop of a hat with a baby. But yeah. you still have to at least try and, like, be there. <laughs> at yeah, least, like, I at least, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, I don't even know. Like, at least just try like at least show some compassion concern for the fact that now we have to reship it and that costs money and we're already low on cash like she just didn't care she's like oh why don't you call michelle oh well you know it's so typical he wants to be involved and then he can't it's like no no i didn't need michelle i didn't need tom i needed you but also yeah i needed you because michelle's not part owner of this you are no and she's also like uh michelle has a job like she's not even holding michelle liable like michelle has a job because they're not paying him exactly and then the whole thing about her is like my part comes later i'm not supposed to deal with this um excuse me you want to be a businesswoman yeah you want to be 50 percent part owner of this fucking thing your part starts now okay that's when your part starts i'm sorry that's that was such a a childish thing to say like i'm not good at this my part comes later are you 10 years old yeah I don't know for me it was like I got to a point with Suki that I'm just so frustrated and like yes I can see and I think that's the point right in this episode that you're seeing that Lorelai's kind of doing everything by herself and that was just another um uh, you know it's like prefacing the breakdown this is just another thing that she has to worry about so I think that was the whole point you're supposed to you're supposed to walk away from this episode feeling very frustrated with Suki yeah. Um, you know, there's other times where we feel frustrated with Suki and that's not the point. Uh, but I think everyone, whether you love Suki or hate her at this point in the game, you're like, get your shit together, woman. Yeah, like I'm not even, like again, I don't want to make it seem like we're upset because her child came first today. It's like, no, we get it. Yeah. Your child your child always comes first. We're not, we're not negating that. We're negating the fact that you have kind of just you're not really mature enough or uh, reliable enough is what I'm looking for to be the business person that Lorelai needs and the fact that you're trying to like deflect with your child's needs it's like no no don't blame this on the child (laughs) yeah I don't know it's like she was kind of using an easy out yeah it's like I have a baby here it's like yes um but these problems date back to before you had the baby yeah can I just say that I hate women who, um, or I shouldn't say I hate women. I hate when women, <laughs> let me say, I hate when women act like they're the only people on the planet that have a baby. Yeah. Have you ever met those pregnant women? That are um, like, 
I can't do that. I'm pregnant. And you're like, bitch, women have been getting pregnant since, you know, Jesus was in third grade. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's not a disease. Yeah. I mean, I know that when my my cousin was pregnant, she actually gave birth like in March of 2020. What a wonderful time to bring a child into the world. Um, But I remember like in her pregnancy leading up to that, that was obviously right like pre-pandemic. So we still were able to see people. In public places. Right, right. <laughs> I remember, like, I remember we went for breakfast, for brunch. We, we usually go for brunch with them at Christmas time. So it would have been like December 2019. Um, I think the last that was the last time we saw them for brunch, at, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, and she was pregnant then. And I'm not going to say she was like, she thought she was the center of the universe. That's not her personality at all. She's pretty self, she's a pretty selfless person. But she, according to her mom, and what her mom told my mom was just kind of like she was acting as if she was like the first person to ever get pregnant in that like oh I, I I'm not sure if I can eat that I'm pregnant I'm not sure if I can have that or I'm not sure if I can do that it wasn't that she was acting as if it was only her problems in the entire universe but it was like oh I'm not sure I'm pregnant you know like that kind of perspective yeah it's also just like really frustrating when people use that as an excuse not to do something hmm. or like you know uh, I remember my mom had a bunch of problems with people at work saying like well like your job is from 7 30 to 3 30 for example right mm-hmm. well i can't come in at 7 30 anymore because i have the baby oh dear and my mom is like yo i literally gave birth on a sunday after working a full shift on the friday <laughs> you know and i only took like whatever six weeks of maternity you know what i mean like my mom is like yo women have babies and we figure it out not to say that we don't have compassion for people like every company should be flexible with their with their um, female employees or parents in general, not just their female employees, but even fathers, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you wanted to start a business, you wanted to be a big girl, like put on your big girl pants. It's true. I'm talking about Suki, but anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just so frustrated with Suki, and again, I think that was the point of the episode. I think they knew what they were doing. Um, and it just served to uh, fuel her breakdown, Lorelai's breakdown a little bit more, right? Yes. Side note, when you said before, <laughs> I don't like women, and then you were like, we're going to add something, like, and, like, I don't like women who do that, like, who do this. Remember, do you remember that episode of Will and Grace, um, where it was when Jack had his own talk show? And <laughs> Jack talk. <laughs> yeah, Jack talk. Um, and he had Grace on as a guest, not even like it was inadvertently, like his guest canceled at the last minute and she was just like there and he's like, okay, great. This is my guest today. And so she like wanted to get all like personal with the, you know, gay audience and the gay like viewers and be like, I have, I want to get real with you. She's like, I don't like gay men who don't like themselves. And so like it was, and everyone in the audience was like, ooh, ah. And then later when the episode airs, it's like really badly edited and all it is is Grace saying, I don't like gay men. And then everyone like eggs her and attacks her in the village. And so okay. I don't know. Just reminded me of like that. So you saying so you saying, I don't like women. And that's all you have. And that's all that's all that gets edited. <laughs> yeah. Well, t- considering the fact that I edit the podcast, no. Uh <laughs> But I was like, I don't like women. I was like, Jeffrey's probably thinking, when did you turn into your grandmother? <laughs> By the way, my grandmother is a woman, hates women. <laughs> yeah. We have to remind her sometimes that she has a vagina. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, moving on. Uh, let's talk about Lane. Yeah. And the whole situation that's happening uh, at Yale. 
So should we talk about Janet being a bitch? Is Janet a bitch or is Paris a bitch? Okay, they're both bitches, but I don't, I don't like Janet. <laughs> All right. Well, lucky for you, she's not uh, she's not a a, a constant, right? <laughs> no, it's not even that I don't like Janet. I just don't like Janet being mean to Paris. Like I think it's just I think in terms of you know women hating women, <laughs> since we just mentioned that, like. <laughs> Janet saying, "Oh, go put on your spinster dress," or like, "Oh, another lone, such like bitterness from the lonely," or whatever, or whatever she says. Like, I mean, to be fair to Janet, mm-hmm. Iris is overreacting. Like, her boyfriend can't sit on the couch because he makes a skate park dent. Honestly, I, I, the rational side of my brain agrees with you. She's, she's overreacting, but the other half of my brain knows that I'm exactly like Paris in a lot of ways in this in this scenario so i'm kind of on her side all right i don't know i just think like i understand paris is quirky she says shit like blah 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 but i mean like your roommate's boyfriend is just coming to pick her up for a date it's still her room like her boyfriend's allowed to come in you know is he though no yeah <laughs> uh yes he 100 is listen if tana can fucking take up welding in the room it's true that, that's that's a bit that's a bit extensive. Like that's kind of disruptive. Yeah. yeah. Like I would be more upset about the fucking burn smell than her boyfriend. <laughs> I love how Roy's like, how long have you been doing this? Three hours. Okay, time for a break. <laughs> Those fucking fumes are getting to you, Tana. Um, but anyways, Paris gets upset because she finds out that Lane knows about her and Asher Fleming. Mm-hmm. And um also can we talk about the fact that Paris Paris getting upset that Lane knows just further um, is further proof to me that she knows that what she's doing is wrong. And um, she knows she has to hide it because they're both going to get in trouble. And it's kind of like, maybe not outwardly feeling ashamed, but maybe a little bit feeling ashamed. Yeah, so I'll agree with you in that she feels it's wrong and that it's breaking some kind of rule or it's frowned upon, obviously, a student dating a teacher. Um but I don't, like, I think in terms of other kinds of shame, I think that's, like, what's the term? Like, uh, intern- like almost, like, internalized misogyny a little bit. Um, like, not women hating women, but, like, when, like her sensing that people were going to judge her for this regardless, of this, regardless of the circumstances. So it's almost like the minute she finds out somebody beyond her close friend and roommate knows, um, she's like, well... Well, that's, you know, it's almost like she was waiting for that moment, that she was waiting for that other shoe to drop, you know, so it's like she built herself up to feel ashamed before she even needed to. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But for me, it's just like when you're dating somebody, when you have to hide that you're dating somebody, um, and that goes for Lorelai and Jason too, because <laughs> they're still hiding it at this point, um, it's never going to be right, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to describe it. Like, you're, it's clearly not the best relationship mm-hmm. um, in Paris' case if you have to hide it. Um, no. And not only do you have to hide it, that kind of like, he's kind of forcing you to hide it. Um, yeah, there's like a bunch of little toxic elements that were kind of, that I kind of gloss over when we talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll get... Uh, I have a feeling we're going to talk about it more um, in later episodes because there's much more going on. But just like there's little things Things like this that I'm always like, Paris, he's making you hide a relationship. He don't love you. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you, what, you think, like, you're going to sail off into the sunset with this man? 
Oh, okay. Another. I have another reference to another show. I'm just referencing everything she today. <laughs> you remember on Friends when, in, in the last season, I think it is, when Mike and Phoebe get back together and she has to, like, she Mike basically makes her go to his apartment and break up with his girlfriend. Yeah. Like, the, the girlfriend they started dating when they were apart, whose name is Precious. And Phoebe's like, Susie, can I call you Susie? Yeah, I can't I can't say your name. Um, so, like, Susie and or Precious has a whole breakdown. And Phoebe's just like, have some self-respect for the love of God. That's what I think of when whenever you talk about Paris. And she's like, oh, Paris. I'm like, have some self-respect for the love of God. It's just, yeah, well, obviously, because it's just a little bit annoying that you're 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 dating a man who you clearly want to tell people about, right? Because she was about to tell Janet. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you are you have to think, oh, no, can't tell people, cannot do it. Like, yeah. it's not a healthy relationship, guys, okay? Yeah, for sure. I agree. It's not, it's not healthy in that it's so emotionally taxing for yeah. her. And in any case, whatever. So Lane finds out, well, finds out. Lane lets it slip that she knows, and it comes out that everyone's saying, like, she doesn't even go here. She shouldn't be here. And Rory is then in the very awkward position of having to tell Lane that she can't stay. And to me, that scene is so sad because Lane is just realizing that she really has nowhere to go. Yeah, it's like this. there's this this tone of voice that Lane has and uh, Kiko Ojena plays it like really, really well. I have to give yeah, her that. Um, it's and it happened um, the first time uh, after Mrs. Kim gave her the ultimatum. No, no. Before that. It's when she runs away after the night out before having to go home and confront Mrs. Kim. Yeah. She's, when she's talking to Roy, yeah, she's like, I have no spine. Just like the, just like her tone of voice when she said that uh, is, is the same as when she says in this episode, she's like, I don't even go here. Like, it's just this, I don't know. This, she sounds very defeated. Defeated. She sounds sad. She sounds, she sounds lost. And it's, it's just, like defeated, but also like, what are you going to do? Like, she knows, she knows. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, like, she knew it couldn't last forever. It was just, like, yeah. it's shitty because, I mean, there's so many, like, real-life examples of that where young people are just forced forced to figure it out for themselves because their parents cut them off, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then the scene where she runs into Mrs. Kim on the street and she tells her, I'm staying at Lorelai's, for me, the greeting was also so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. She's like, hello, Lane. Hello, Mrs. Kim. I know. <laughs> I was like, no, not the Mrs. Kim. Oh. I was like, you can't even bring yourself to call her mom anymore. Or mama, like she calls her. Yeah, and even, she, and even she says, like, the tone of voice when she says, I'm saying at Lorelai's, she's like, please talk to me. <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's like, she doesn't know what to say. And so she's kind of a little scared. So she says Mrs. Kim because... I don't know, maybe she doesn't feel like she has the right to call her mama anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking this poor little teenager (laughs) is so terrified. And she's like, I'm staying with Lorelai's. Like, maybe kind of hinting, like, I'll be in town. We can work it out. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Kim's response is, wear socks. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, When, my memory is failing me, when does the replacement lane, the exchange student, arrive? Season five. Okay. And I was like, what? Like, it's because I'm. Th- I was thinking for a second. Wait, does that happen like right after she kicks her out? No, it's season five. No. Okay. She she gives her a little grace period before she replaces her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about uh, Gran, Lorelai the first. 
Okay, are we gonna we gonna save um, Rory's breakdown and Lorelai's breakdown for the end? Yeah, I think that's best. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about Gran. So Gran is in town. Of course, Emily is like trying way too hard to please Gran, and Gran is not having it and giving her shit. And once again, I'm so disgusted by Richard, who is like loving it. Um, but that whole conversation between Jason and Gran was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's like I thought you liked antiques. I do like antiques. <laughs> Why would you give me a present? You don't know me. I'm an old woman. And he's just like, uh, 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 <laughs> like he doesn't know what to say. Because being fucking polite, dumbass, take the present. I'll shove it on your throat. Yeah, seriously. And then when he's like in the study with Lorelai, she's like, "You're hiding from my grandmother." He's like, "She's terrified." <laughs> I just found that so sweet. Like this grown man, like terrified of his girlfriend's grandmother. <laughs> Just the way he said it. She's terrifying. I don't want to talk to her. It was very cute. Wouldn't you um, be terrified? I would. I would, yeah, for sure. Um, but I also think the whole conversation that Trix has, um, like, with Lorelai, with Richard, is very... Um, so, first of all, I find it very surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, number one, I want to say, like, when she starts laying into Richard, and Richard, like, he's not having it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, good for you for finally standing up to her. But where were, where, where was this Richard all those times when your wife was, like, beating down your wife? When your mother was beating down your wife? You know what I mean? But that's, like, that's important to note because it wasn't... He, he, he only started caring when Gran came after him. He doesn't give that's a shit when Gran comes after anybody else. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm like, oh, lovely, Richard, you're finally standing up to your mother. But where were you for the past 40 years? <laughs> like, you know, where she's been torturing your wife. And in this episode in particular, he's like, oh, tricks, you're bad. No, yeah, exactly. no, she's a bitch, dumbass. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking exactly. So I was like, oh, so this whole episode, I'm just like, I can't even enjoy it the way Emily is enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like, Emily's loving it. She's like, you paid back that money in two months, Richard. <laughs> she's loving it. And I'm just like, fuck you. Because the time to stand up to your mother for being a fucking dick was when you first got married and she treated your wife like trash. I actually wrote down a, wrote down a quote from the dinner table scene because it was so funny when Emily's just like smiling and egging him on. It's like, you get her, get her. Like, I know. get her, Jade. It's, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. I'm just uh, like, I just, I, it's, it's. It's hilarious. Like, it's not funny, haha. It's just funny when you come to the realization, like, this could have happened so much longer ago. Like, it is like 40 years in the making. And I don't even think it's enough. Like, Emily's clearly loving it. But you have to know that in the back of Emily's mind, she's like, two seconds ago, she just called me an idiot. Yeah. And like, now you're upset. You know what I mean? It's true. So already all these problems that they're going to be having and are currently having are not made any better by this little tirade. No. Yeah. I think, but I think that's, that's kind of the point is that. No, for sure. Like, um, I think Emily's, I think Emily just gets, it just, you know, gets excited when anybody else puts Gran in her place because no matter what, she's supposed to be the loving, loving, loyal, devoted wife, right? Who, who shouldn't speak out or speak out of turn. Right. Um, I just loved. I just loved when Graham was like, "I'm leaving this table." Mitchell says, "Let me help you with your chair." He's like, "I'm still polite, but I'm not happy about it." No. <laughs> or when she's like putting her hands over her ears, "Do not raise your voice to me." Oh like, God. 
Yeah. It's just, like, it's so, you know what, you know what bothers me most about Gran? I think I've said this before is like, I love, I've always, always loved and I always will love Marion Ross, but I hate yeah. her in this role. I know, but that's a sign of a good actress, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. And the whole thing is just really, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Gran needed to bring up the fact that Lorelai didn't have any money that way. <laughs> and yeah. then like, you know, you want to talk about manners and polite conversation. Emily's like, it's not the time. Mm. And she's like, you should know better than this, Richard. She's drowning. And you're like, shut the fuck up, lady. You know, mm. it's kind of, it's like, it's weird because we, we, don't, we don't even consider, like, we see Lorelai's reaction later, obviously, because she had herself egged by her grandmother. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, it's weird. And that's a good point that you make because it's public ridicule at the dinner table. But you're you're all about manners. That's the thing. That's why I was just like, it's so surprising to me to have her um, to say that in front of people, like in front of Jason, who two seconds ago, you're like, you don't know me. But yet you're willing to like throw your family under the bus in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, it was just, you know, and I think also like the, the thing that I hate about this scene with Richard, too, is like, if you don't like being spoken to like that by your mother how do you think your wife feels so like richard's complete lack of empathy for me is what really does this marriage in yeah you know what i mean like you know even in the living room where it's meant to be funny where gran is like would you like a nut your wife is very fond of them and he's like laughing i'm like it's not fucking funny you douche canoe no (laughs) douche canoe (laughs) like come on episode title (laughs) no no thank you like you know what i mean like how much more abuse can your wife take i know it's been it's just it's it's so painful to watch over and over again because they don't see it as abuse you know he doesn't he doesn't we do and lorelei does but lorelei also takes a bit of enjoyment because we know why (laughs) yeah no, listen, Lorelai definitely enjoys it most of the time because she's like, oh, whatever. I think Lorelai goes into it with the mentality of, like, Gran is old, whatever. Just, like, brush it off kind of thing, you know? But mm-hmm. even in this episode, I don't know if you noticed, when Emily sits down next to Lorelai, Lorelai, like, kind of puts her hand on her thigh and taps her thigh to tell her it's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think Lorelai is actually really, like, way more sensitive than Richard in this case. Yeah, I do. I agree. So, you know, fuck Richard. um okay let's talk about these breakdowns i think i mean okay you said in the beginning you you thought one one was justified the other two were dramatic or melodramatic no so i said one i enjoyed so i enjoyed lorelei the first breakdown Mm -hmm. because i enjoyed it i enjoyed emily's reaction shall we say (laughs) i didn't enjoy the fact that, you know, Richard never stands up for his wife and blah, blah, blah. But I enjoyed the fact that Emily got a little bit of joy from it. Um, I said one I hated because it's um, the hate stems from who is holding the person. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. And one, I think, was a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to break down in front of anyone, Luke's your guy. <laughs> True. So, should we start with Rory's? Uh, yes. I, it's funny because leading up to this moment, I was like, I'm going to have so much to say about this. But really, I think I'm just at peace with it. <laughs> You're at peace with Dean holding her? No, I'm at peace with why Rory has a breakdown. Oh, poof. Yeah, 100%. I understand that completely. Because. I've I been think, there multiple times in my life. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think I think in the past, in you know previous years of watching um, this season, depending on where I was uh, academically and emotionally, I probably wasn't in uh, the right headspace to realize that what the professor what the professor was saying was true and correct. And I think it's also difficult because I know a lot of a lot of like Rory. Um, derision in the fandom stems from moments like these where it's like oh she's such she's such a privileged little snot who um you know has a breakdown because she's failing one class or she's not failed she failed one essay and they recommended that she's taking too many classes to drop one um yeah i think it's just now from where you know from where i stand now uh you know not so much emotionally rich but far enough away from those college years of my own that I realized that I was exactly like Rory and what she was saying of I'm that's not me I'm not that person I I'm the person who is perfect and gets everything done and who doesn't do this and I don't think I would have ever had the guts or the language to say that out loud when I was going through it so I think now it's uh now is why I'm at peace with it do you mean so the guts and language do you mean like when she's talking to Dean and she's like saying I failed yeah like I think I would have been I'd like the breakdown she's having of like saying like everything's falling apart because like oh one bad thing happened like that was me every single day like you know four or five years ago yeah <laughs> so what I mean is when she says oh I'm I, I failed everything's falling apart um like that's kind of the same reaction I would have had and I but I would but I wouldn't have been able to articulate um, that the reason why I feel this way is because um, my entire life I internalized the notion that I have to be perfect. I I'm the one who gets everything done. I'm the one who never has an I'm the one who never has an issue. I'm the I'm the one who never fails. I'm the one who is fine on his own. No one has to worry about me. Mm-hmm. So I think I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had the emotional skills to articulate that at the time. Yeah, for sure. And I I have to say, as somebody who has gone through like I also had a mini breakdown when after my first semester, I had to, my first semester of college, I took five classes. Mm -hmm. um, And that was really not great for me. (laughs) Like the professor was right. Some people work at different paces, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wanted to take five classes to prove to, I don't even know who (laughs) that I could do it. And then I also, after my first semester, when I didn't do as well as I thought I was going to do, because, you know, five classes is a fucking lot. uh, When I decided, like, when I came to the decision to take four in my second semester, Mm -hmm. I came to that decision. And then instead of being like, this is my decision, I'm happy with it. I was like, you fucking loser. Yeah. And it's four classes, you fucking loser. Like, even though I was still going to do it. (laughs) Yeah so much shame for taking four classes I, th- um, I think it's important to note though that it's it's easier said than done when you consider like oh does it oh whatever p- different people work at different paces it's easier for the pre- for, for, for the professor to say that in regards to her grandfather so I think it's a little weird that Roy compares herself so strongly to her grandfather like that's a whole other issue but um it's easier said than done to say like oh does it matter different people work at different paces um when then you let's say you have friends in you know college university who are all doing four classes and they seem to be holding it together fine but you can't like it's it's like 
I like I have the perspective and the knowledge now to say like it doesn't like that shouldn't matter that shouldn't matter but when you're like you know 18 19 you still are in a bit of a you know adolescent headspace of well this is what everyone else is doing why isn't that good enough for me yeah and I was also in the like my entire life I was also living kind of in my brother's shadow mm-hmm. so like my brother always really really good at things that were important for my grandparents so like science and math because they always wanted a doctor uh Science and math, so important because I think, like, ethnic families, that's, like, that's where the jobs are. You know what I mean? They don't they don't appreciate the arts as much, shall we say. <laughs> also, also, if you ask my grandmother what I do for a living, she has no idea. Seriously? And I'm 28. That's good. She once told somebody I worked for the FBI. What? And my mom was there, and my mom was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, she works for the FBI. And I'm like... What? Anyways, sorry, it was very hilarious. I'll tell you that story after. It's not a, it's not important right now. But my entire life, I was kind of always measuring myself up to my brother. So we went to the same high school, and he was only a year ahead of me. Um, and so every time my turn would come uh, to be to have those classes and the same teachers that my brother had last year, everyone would be like, "Oh, you're Perry's sister." My brother was a genius, you know, like worked hard, but also just like things like science and math always came easy to him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when then I would struggle and teachers would be like, oh, I'd feel like shit. Um, then in CGIP, when I went, like, the more art route, art and social sciences route, and he went to a more science route, I was also still like, oh, what the fuck? And then in university, when my brother graduated in the three years it takes to graduate, having taken five classes each semester and never getting lower than an A in any of his classes, he graduated okay. with a perfect okay. GPA. Fuck yeah, he graduated with a perfect GPA. <laughs> And I'm like, I have to take four classes. Okay. Um, if I may borrow a phrase from Mariah Carey, we don't know her. We don't know her. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do know her. <laughs> In terms of your brother getting five, taking five classes, never with no breaks, and getting no. all A's. All A's. We don't know her. Perfect GPA. <laughs> then moved on, did his master's in the two years, even less. Then became a TA, finished his PhD, <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, hi. Oh, my God. Okay. We definitely don't know her. We don't know her. <laughs> Except when I go home in August and I have to see her. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so for me, it was, like, added pressure because of – it's not that anyone else was kind of comparing us. At that point, like, in CGIP, everyone kind of knew that we had our own strengths. But just, you know, it's it, it's hard for me. It was hard for me to come to terms with it, right? Yeah. So when Rory's sitting there, I'm like, I'm a failure. I'm like, oh, girl, been there. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I 100% understand her. I wish she would have ran into somebody else's arms, but um, I understand mm. her. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's very, it's, it's very difficult. It's a very sticky situation that it's Dean's arms that she ends up in, um, be- mostly because it just it creates it recreates this bond, it forges this bond that was pretty much dead and broken, and now we have yeah. to. I have a thought. Do you think? Do you think? So first of all, I don't think that Rory went there, you know, and saw Dean and was like, "I need to get into his arms." No. She was legit looking for her mother and like she got to her breaking point because she's been looking for her mother everywhere. They've been missing each other all week. She really needs to talk to her and it just like spilled out kind of thing, you know? Um so I don't think that was 
Like, I don't blame Rory for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that maybe Rory's still dealing with last week's stuff. Yeah, for sure. Because if you recall last week, just as I love you and then runs off. Yeah. <laughs> and then this week, there's like zero mention of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's done on purpose. <laughs> I think it's one more thing that is just like, you know, the Suki thing is contributing to Lorelai's breakdown. Mm-hmm. I think all the shit that happened the week before is like Rory's like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to focus on my classes. And then I get a D. Oh, my God, I'm going to break down. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like, as much as, like, she wants to say and Lorelai wants to say that she's over it and she's moved on, I think it 100% contributed to her, her breakdown this week. Yeah, it's similar to, like, the study tree when we talked about that. <laughs> it's like, she, <laughs> it's, she's taking, like, she's taking all of these little anxieties out on needing this tree and only this tree because she's it fits her back properly and blah 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 blah. it's like the same kind of thing of this you know Jess drops this bomb on her and runs away yeah and less she break down every, every other moment just thinking about it she's like okay I'm gonna just nothing nothing matters I don't have to I don't have to address my thoughts or feelings I'm just gonna put all of my strength and energy into this which is school and that was exactly me all through CHF was I'm ignoring every other red flag in my life and putting all of my time and energy into this mm-hmm. and that's why the minute something would go wrong and in school it was like dead gone broke down meltdown yeah. over I'm dead and gone it's as if, have you ever seen those videos where you're like where the person's like everything is going wrong in your life and then you know the little loop on your jeans mm-hmm. get stuck on the door handle yeah and like you fucking freak out yeah. <laughs> or, like, you come home and you drop something and you're like, fuck, my life sucks. Yeah. It's like the straw that breaks the camel's back kind of thing. Exactly. It's like the last straw. You cannot. You cannot deal when your belt loop gets hooked on the door. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish it wasn't Dean. I kind of hate that it was Dean. But I don't think... I think that was also done on purpose. Like, she just had the boyfriend that she really loved, tell her he loves her and then walk away. And then and there's this guy that she knows loved her. And, and, you know, she felt safe with him for whatever reason. And, like, he's there comforting her. And it's like, it's like he he'll, he never went anywhere kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Am I articulating this properly? Yeah, it's like... It's this weird, unfinished business in Star of the Hollow. Yeah, I think... I think the reason she allowed herself to break down, mm-hmm. like she was holding it together up until that point, and then Dean's like, okay, come on, you're you're clearly going through something. And she's like, this is a safe person. I was with him for so long. It's a constant in my life. You know, I can break down in front of him. Um, I'm here to tell you I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like it. We don't know her either. <laughs> okay, and last but not least, we have Lorelai's breakdown. Yeah. Um, Lorelai was supposed to meet Luke at a restaurant to ask him for $30,000. Oh, my God. Um, also, I just think it's weird that Suki's like, well, you could always ask Luke. It's like, Suki, can you also ask somebody? Like, why is it fall on Lorelai again? But anyways, I digress. True. Um, yeah, so, you know, Luke's going to give her the money. That's not really the issue. Um. Again, I just think Grand's whole thing of like you're broke, you're 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 flailing, you're hemorrhaging money, it just made her feel like I suck. 
I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. She, by the way, she uses the exact same words that Rory does. Mm-hmm. So um, that's also not a coincidence. Like mother, like daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also very reminiscent of, you know, in the first season where Rory has a breakdown because she missed the test. Yeah. And then, um, so she has a freak out and then Lorelai goes into the office office and has the exact same freak out. And Headmaster Charleston is like, like mother, like daughter. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, there, there's the family resemblance. <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason I like this breakdown more is because obviously if you're going to break down in front of anyone, Luke's the right person to break down in front of. Yeah. Um, I also love the way he cradles her head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I can see how it's overwhelming for her. You know, like she's trying to open a business. She has no money. Her partner's being a dick. Her her parents and her grandmother think she's a failure. They said it in front of the guy that she's trying to date and impress. Um, she hasn't spoken to her daughter. Mm-hmm. She has to cut one of the horses out of the lineup. <laughs> My vote is for Cletus. Um, but, you know, it's not it's not great, guys. <laughs> no. It's like both their lives were in a point where it, like, reached a state of just sucking. <laughs> yeah. And, like, sometimes, in Rory's case, you just need your mommy. Yeah. And in Lorelai's case, sometimes you just need your best friend, which is Rory, you know? Yeah. It's like... I, yeah. Sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say, it's, it's almost like... They need, like, not even that you need your mom or you need your best friend. They just, like, they need each other. It doesn't really matter what the labels are. It's just, like, you need that. You need your person. You need, Meredith needs her Christina, you know, like. That fucking show. <laughs> season, <sighs> season 27 coming next year. Jesus Christ, that show. Um, I'm reading something, like, every time that show gets renewed and Angel loses its wings. Yeah. I stand by that. Yeah, I do, too. It's just Shonda. <laughs> but you know it's just like they need their they need each other they need their person yeah you need that person to vent to that person is jeffrey for me <laughs> oh that's like a warm hug even though, even though you're far away <laughs> i'm far away i would never hug you um no oh, <laughs> <food. laughs> but um yeah you just need that person i also really like lorelei's monologue mm-hmm. where she's talking about you know i like my life i like being independent i I've never wanted to be married, but sometimes in these scenarios you want to be married to have a partner. Yeah. You know what that 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 um, brings up for me? You know that scene in Little Women? Mm-hmm. Where, um, what's her name? Uh, like the, like the, 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 the latest Little Women remake? Yeah. What's the actress's name? Saoirse Ronan? Yes. You know when she's doing that whole speech about, like, women are so many things but sometimes we just get lonely yeah that was a speech that you retweeted the other day on twitter exactly. that's why when i retweet it when i when i watch this episode i'm like oh my god what a coincidence i just retweeted this speech yeah because that speech resonates so much with me like i've always valued my independence mm-hmm. i'm always very much like i don't need no person you know what i mean like i'm good yeah but it's just sometimes you do want somebody to kind of like shoulder the burden with you you know what i mean yeah, and it's like it's and it's I can't speak for it completely because I'm not a woman, but like it it's it's you feel like this sense of shame. I 
I think, because you want to be seen as independent, but you uh, but you don't want to show any signs of vulnerability or weakness because then that makes, you know, m- the patriarchy think that you're you can't handle it. You know what? Like, yeah. Every time I've been, you know, every time I've done stuff on my own, mm-hmm. like, you know, moved here, handled the moves, like spoken to people, you know, like my grandmother is very much like, when are you going to get a boyfriend? When are you going to, like, when are we going to go to your wedding? You know what I mean? And I'm like, I wish you would see, like, I don't need anyone. I'm good. (laughs) But there are some times when I'm like, I wish I had somebody. And then I'm like, no, because now you're proving your grandmother right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to prove her right. You know what I mean? Well, like, not even that, like, I mean, I can't, I'm not to put words in your mouth, but like, not even that you need, like, a romantic partner. You should, like, want someone, sometimes you should, like, want someone. You don't need, like, that's what I'm, that's what I meant when I said, it's not necessarily that Rory wants wants or needs her mommy or that uh, Lorelai needs her best friend. It's just like they need they need their person and they they happen to be each other's person. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, one hundred percent. So like, I get this. Like I I feel that way too, even though I'm I'm not a woman, so I can't speak for it in the same way. But it's like sometimes you just, especially with the pandemic and being locked in your house, like you just you like you just want. You just yearn for that sense of connection with someone. And thankfully, I have that here with you. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. There is a certain, um, there's more of a vulnerability when you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Because people are constantly telling you that you need someone, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody would ever tell a man, when are you going to find somebody? Because you need that support. Like, nobody's doing that, right? No, and even when they do say it, it's like a totally different tone and context whereas I remember when I um well it wasn't very long ago but when I when I orchestrated this whole move to this new apartment Mm. my mom was like I'm sorry I'm not there to help you and I'm like what would you be doing you know what I mean (laughs) and she was no I'm like it was a very nice sentiment like she wanted to be here to help me but I I made her think about it a little bit I'm like what would you be doing she's like I just wanted you to have somebody there and I'm like oh I see where you're getting with this Mm, yeah interesting but anyways but yeah, I said it to Jeffrey many times. Sometimes I just want to pick a man up off the street and be like, come live with me, pay half the rent, and uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it <what>? romantic. Uh, <laughs> I just well, well, a burden. <laughs> well, um, I do have to say that one day you'll say that, and the next day you'll say, I just wish Brooklyn Heights would come and live with me and pay half my rent. <laughs> 100%. She's got that money. <laughs> She's got that money. Also, I love her. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Where can they find us, Jeffrey? I did it last time, so you do it this time. Uh, they can follow us on Twitters at Gilmore Podcast, on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. And should you feel the need to email us, you can do so. Gilmore Podcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening.